Hello, everybody. Hello, hello, hello. My name's Lee. My name's Ross. And welcome to episode 40 of The Naked Student. So, Ross, why did we set up The Naked Student podcast? That's a very good question, my friend. Thank you very much. Look, we want to offer a stripped-back approach to student life and to also discuss the problems that affect all young people. Yeah, look, we face most of the topics that we discuss and we understand and we just want to make it a bit more accessible for younger people. Well enunciated. Thank you. I like that. Raising the energy levels in the room. Uh, could you please give them our Instagram handle? Yeah, Instagram is the naked student underscore. So easy to remember and probably the best medium to find us on. We have reached 1,000 followers. We have indeed, Get which in is there. something we're very excited about. Obviously, we're still growing each and every day and our Insta game has, has gone up to a level oh, that is acceptable. I'm enjoying it now, yeah. Don't you yeah, think? Like, I do really rate it. Hucky has got some fantastic graphics on the go. He's the whiz kid on there. So we've upped it. I'd say it's about a 9 out of 10 at the moment. Vincent Van Ross, mate. That's what they call Vincent me. Vincent Van Ross. I don't know where I stand on that. <laughs> that I think this I just came like... to the top of my head. Yeah, did, did, did. It's a slow that. burner. For uh, <laughs> also, uh, let's not forget, we also have another platform that we use, which yes. is Twitter. Uh, it's uh, at TNS, capital letters, that is underscore podcasts. That S is so very important. Uh, yeah. So we use Twitter uh, slightly differently. Twitter is there for the articles that follow on from what we discuss in these podcasts and also just generally cool articles that we find, funny videos that we find. Yeah, a couple of GIFs, a couple of yeah. memes, uh, yeah, just a couple of retweets. Range. I saw you retweeted the uh, Dalai Lama. Yes, uh, that happiness. Yeah, you want an that. inspirational quote? Go to the Twitter yeah. page. And finally, uh, also, you know, if, you, if you're enjoying these podcasts... Then and you have an iPhone, of course, then could you go to Apple Podcasts and leave us a nice review because it helps us to climb the charts each day and obviously get our message out to more people, which is the aim uh, of this podcast. Well, hopefully so, yes. Isn't it? Yeah. But today, episode 40, we have a guest, a guest who has been on before a few weeks back. Emily, how are you, Emily? Oh, I'm good, thanks. How are you guys? Yeah, not too bad. Nice to have you back. Nice to be back. Yes. And we're going to sort of somewhat continue the conversation a little bit from last time. So we focused on sustainability, on the world. It was, you know, what was the title? Maybe we're all a bit doomed, but maybe with a rude word (laughs) involved. And I think this time we we want to hone in a little bit. We're on this Christmassy theme at the moment. So we thought, what better time to do a podcast about waste and what we can all do than at Christmas time, a time of excess I think it's fair I to think say. that's a very good way to put it to be honest yes, indeed so I think we're going to focus on that in the second half aren't we yeah. um, as well as a few other things such as the UN climate talks which has informed a little bit about this debate but in the first half we wanted to talk to Emily about herself a little bit more and how she arrived well at the stage she is where she obviously cares so much about the environment and it's the, the thing that she wants everyone else to be as passionate about as well. Yeah, so we want to sort of understand that journey a little bit more. Does that sound all right? Yeah, yeah. So um, I know you guys wanted me to touch a bit about school and university because obviously it's very different for everyone as well and that's obviously a big part of how I got to um, sustainability and why I want to build a business around a sustainable life. Um, and I think the place that makes the most sense, sense to start is kind of at the beginning. So yes, always. That's a very good place to start. <laughs> always yeah. a good place to start. <laughs> mm. yeah. So, 
as a, I think if you ask any child what their dream is to be, they don't come out with, I want to be a banker or I want to be an accountant. Uh, a what? A, a bank? Oh, uh, you be careful when you say that. I said it. <laughs> <laughs> a banker. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Debbie, you're right. You're right. No so for me, I loved history. I grew up watching The Mummy. Um, oh, yes. So yeah, I really wanted to be an archaeologist. Loved all oh, that kind okay. of. I was the, probably one of the nerdiest children you will ever <laughs> meet. Like for, I remember for birthday presents, normal girls would. Well, I say normal girls. All the other girls in the class would get like princess toys. My friends would buy me science sets. Geology kits. Yeah. Geology kits. Yeah. What is that? Can I just ask? What, what does a geology kit? It's like growing crystals. I mean, I wanted the princess stuff as well. Yeah. But... <laughs> I think she. Not just geology kids. I know, I felt left out. So um, <laughs> so anyway, I kind of got to secondary school. Um, and I think turning point for me was the first ever year seven exams. So the, the subjects that I liked the most, like history and English, I did the worst in just because I just couldn't write fast. Uh-huh. So you can't get the get it all down in the essay. can't get it down in the time, it's so annoying. And just having that, I think, because I went to a very high-pressure school, well, just high, high, high academic performance. So just the stress of not being, think, considering good at something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of lost interest in it at all, yeah, yeah, completely. Yeah. And then it was like, well, what am I going to do? Yeah. Well, what? Well, it came down to what am I good at? If I'm not good at um, humanities, then <laughs> given the two choices, you can't not kind of given at school, but. That's yeah, it's, it's kind of, you're either going to be a lawyer or a doctor. You, you're pushed into no, yeah. two very true. distinct paths, you're right. Yeah. yeah. So science, I was going to be a doctor then. That just seemed to fit with yeah. the way school wanted me to go, the way my subjects went. So did some work experience in that. Um, and I remember just getting to the end of the week, like, I'm so bored, I just want to go home. <laughs> but I was like, oh, it would be better when it's my job. You don't really think it through. You're just thinking, yeah. to get an interview, I need to yeah. tick off that. Yeah. And then I think a turning point was definitely when I went to an open day with my mum and they were listing all the qualities of a doctor at the University of Sheffield and like empathetic and patient and caring. My mum just elbowed me and went, you've got none of these qualities. What? I thought you'd say the opposite. Oh, yeah, that's like, not what you want from the I was like, parent. thanks mum. Yeah. Confidence I, I, builder. I think you're caring. Well, I've definitely grown a lot, but we'll get into that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um, yeah, and then I wrote, was trying to write my personal statement, and you, they kind of got kind of got back up all these qualities you're supposed to have. And I was just like, yeah. I'm just lying. <laughs> yeah. Everything I'm writing about teamwork, I've just well, twisted to, something and made well, it. To sound. be fair, I think everyone's yeah, yeah. I, at that stage. To do geography, I focused on the physical side of it, and I remember writing about all these like rocks that I'd uh, encountered over my time, like <laughs> Rock, rocks, you didn't rocks yeah. Okay. And I actually didn't touch physical geography at all whilst at uni. But yeah, personal statements, <laughs> I, good grief. I, I think you have to be, it's somewhat like your CV as well, yeah. isn't it? It is oh, like an early yeah. CV. And I think everyone is a bit, what's the term, it's, uh, economical with the truth. You know, you're just <laughs> oh, a yeah, little yeah. bit like, oh, I can play it's that like up a little bit I read National more. Geographic magazine oh. twice a week, oh, even history. though I'd never read it once. I, I got a subscription to History magazine just for <laughs> yeah. my... Uh, read, read the one and then you're fine. Statement. Literally, it's so funny. But yeah, I mean, everyone was like that, mm. weren't they? But, but the then. thing is, with, with something like medicine, it was like five, six years at the university, oh, then two foundation, crazy. then it just it's, wasn't... Yeah, I crazy. felt like if I wasn't... Just if I was just making it up on the spot, that's not really a gamble you can take with the, mm. a career that's so long. So instead, I thought, you know what, biochemistry kind of fits the subjects. So wrote another lying personal statement, but slightly more truthful. Yeah, yeah slightly more. Um, <laughs> so, so what what does biochemistry involve? 
What, um, what sort of things do you do? Or did you do? I generally couldn't tell you. What? <laughs> I, could, I could, like, condense everything I know onto, like, like an A5 piece of paper for you. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Oh, right, okay. But, yeah, yeah it's basically, like, enzymes and proteins. Yeah. But it's interesting, because I remember with, with the University of Leeds being so close, when yeah. I was in, like, lower sixth or start, very start of up six, when I was still like, oh, I don't know what I'm going to do now, I'm not going to do medicine. Um, I went to the University of Leeds Open Day and signed every single one of the talks. Really? Um, just to find out about the subjects. And I remember oh. getting to the biochemistry one, they started talking about protein, and I was like, absolutely no chance we'll no be doing way. that. Oh, I remember and getting... then panicked and ended up doing it. Really? So, so was that, that was in Upper Six, you decided then, yeah. basically. So I'm trying to think, really, from a personal perspective. I just sort of changed what I wanted to do as well. Like I wanted to do economics and management. Yeah. And I was like, you've got to decide, like, A... Well, a, if you enjoy it, but B, you've got to think, like, what are you actually good at? Like, what are your yeah. skill sets, as you yeah. mentioned? Yeah, well, I wanted to do business, um, like, business management and stuff like that, and uh, I suddenly thought, hang on a sec, the unis I wanted to go to, I kind of chose uni over actual course, which yeah. is probably a bad thing to do. Uh, no, so I, I chose so. geography instead, but I remember going to Nottingham Uni, uh, like, you know, with, uh, with your mum for an open day. Not your mum, my mum. I was hung over. We went all the way to Nottingham. First thought we went into. She fell asleep. It off. Yeah, mum was fuming. She was like, you need to put in a good impression. I was like, mum, they don't know who I am. It's <laughs> they fine. don't care. I didn't go to a single open day. Really? I went because I went to Edinburgh, which was my second choice, and I I was gonna like take a gap year because I was like I've never been to Edinburgh. What's it like? Like it was like just off the course. It was my second choice because I didn't get my I didn't get my grades to go to UCL. Uh, missed Fine. out on one you were mash on my grades. I don't want to break down. But yeah, so I ended up going to Edinburgh without ever looking. I don't know. Like it was That's the best quite, four years of my yeah. life. So yeah. I don't know how much an open day. It sort of gives you insight to actual uni, does it? I mean, I did go to Bristol. For for me, going to Bristol is more about looking at the city. Yeah, and yes. it was really city nice. Halls were an nice. absolute yeah. shambles. Halls were grim. Yeah, but that's everywhere though. No, 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 no. Bristol, well. Bristol was bad. Well, were you um, in halls? Yeah, first year. First year. First year. Yeah. Do you know what? Mine weren't too bad, apart from they had like a silverfish infestation. And when you have like, I didn't know where they were either. They're like these little insect things that like travel up drain pipes. So so you have to do the whole building, but they just did it flat by flat. Travel up the drain pipes. Yeah. So it's like you, you, oh, it was just disgusting. Apparently they like living in flour, like in the cupboard as well. It's horrible. What the hell? So we have to go. Can you see them or they like bacteria? No, no, no. They're like proper little. I'm trying to compare them to something without sounding ridiculous. White bait. You know, when you fry white bait. It's so misty. It's like a big, a big fish. No, they're probably around them. the size. You dip them of... in mayonnaise and eat them. <laughs> Definitely not. Definitely Squeeze not. a bit of lemon on that. Oh wow! No, go on. Yeah, what the size? So... What the size? Like a cockroach? No, no, it's more that. It's um, I'd say like a moth with its wings closed in, like not a massive moth. Moth, just oh, like. I was going to say the image of a moth that I have is. <laughs> Gargantuan creature. Yeah. Okay, but that is disgusting. Anyways. So yeah, there's... but I mean, in terms of that, like. I still had like an ensuite, and when oh, when the swordfish weren't there, I had like a three quarter bed, so I can't really complain that much. Ensuite, oh, <laughs> would you only dream of that? Oh, literally, I had to share a toilet with with ten I, people. Yeah. Oh no, definitely yeah, not. Yeah, yeah, I was the same cool. same shower. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the worst bit. Like you have to look out, and you're like, "Can I get <laughs> run, 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 run? It'd be really cold." <laughs> so, would you recommend recommend the ensuite? Obviously, it makes uni a bit easier. Yeah, I think especially when you don't know the people you're moving in with. Like, I think it yes. just gives you your own space a bit. Yes, I think you and so you're in a flat. Yeah. 
because I think that was slight, slightly different to what we we had like. So I think a lot of unis is just like this prison building <laughs> type thing. So you'd recommend an ensuite? <laughs> yeah, rather than that communal. <laughs> I realised that that was maybe uh, an obvious question. Well, at least they make you rank what you want. So whether yeah, it's yeah. like location or mm. self-catering or ensuite. So the top of mine was like, I need an ensuite. Yeah. I don't care how far away from uni I am, but I want yeah. an ensuite. Well, that, that was sort of the other reason why I was asking is because like sometimes when you have that sort of option for an ensuite, sometimes you're like, you stay in your room a bit more or whatever because you have because you don't venture out to the toilet yeah because once you That's venture out to the toilet people. you venture <laughs> on the corridor you bump into yeah, everyone everyone knows that I know, I know but right I want to bring this back yeah. okay so you're at uni you've decided to do biochemistry and did, yes. you, did you actually end up enjoying that at uni no not, <laughs> I think by the by third year my attendance rate was like less than 4% or something ridiculous like that really I just I just it just you know it's like the when they decided to plan university, they're like, right, what is the least effective way of teaching people? Yeah. And we are going to do it like that. Yeah, so yeah. I can't, I'm, I can't learn by someone just talking at me, but also the speed they did it at. And there's no time mm. to learn anything. Did you have your lectures recorded so you could watch yes. them? So that was a big, big factor for me. We didn't have that. Yeah. Oh, that's so important. No, but then you never leave your room again, would you? Because you just watch, watch all of it. Yeah, that's what happened with me. Yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah. It, it makes much. you go out when you don't have... You're right. Because you are screwed when, when, it's, when you miss it. I think that's mm. a bit of like all or nothing. So you yeah. could either miss it all and yeah. then be very, very stuck or Good you don't good. go in but you still catch up with it. Uh, if you got mates, they'll just uh, give you the minutes. That was my second year, honestly. Yeah. I've told my friend Olive, I actually mentioned in the last one about <laughs> Extinction Rebellion, it's like the Olive podcast. Yeah. But um, she gave me like all her notes in second year. Really? So I owe her a very nice trip somewhere for giving yes. me my degree. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone needs a friend like that. Yeah. You can help them out when they when they need it most. But yeah, so so you didn't really enjoy it. No. Particularly. And then we had so we had labs for six hours a week. So it's like you literally Wow. Your whole Monday you're in a lab for six hours I, doing like pointless experiments into God. counting proteins. I really? about seven hours in total a week. Yeah, uh, that's, a well, that's a difference in science and humanity. I had, tw- I had something ridiculous like twenty eight. Like ridiculous. That's from science. first year. Okay, yeah. hours. First year as well. Oof. You see that's a lot in first year yeah. when you're trying to meet people. Like, as well. I guess you do meet a lot of people though in your course and make sure you actually go in and Was then it you very can actually course based your friendships or were they Yeah, of, definitely. You know, so um yeah, pretty much all my friends are from my course and then um, just through my other housemates and their yeah. friends. But one of the girls, well, two of the girls I live with were from my course, which is how I met kind of everyone else. But I think when you're in that a lot, and you do tend to stick with your course with it being so intensive hours-wise. Yeah, I think that's the big difference for people to think of, you know, with humanities mm. and the more science-based practices. Like, yeah, I, hardly any... Well, actually, that's a lot. Like, quite a few people did history, but... My friendships weren't from the course; it was from outside that. Because yeah. you have like, I had four hours a week, <laughs> and it was all on a Monday, so I had six days off Ooh. a week. Obviously, you're like, right, I can do all my seminar work on a Tuesday. I have a free week Sunday night. I Sunday had nine AMs every day, <laughs> every day, which is probably why my attendance rate dwindled so I'm much. Not surprised. I could just, I'd just be absolutely knackered. I'd get yeah, back from a nine AM yeah. at like eleven o'clock, and I'd just sleep the rest of the day. Be right to yeah, bed, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not surprised. Nine AM yeah. is, is is tough. I remember the days. If you've been socialising as well, yeah. <laughs> those good old days when we all had mates, we all had lives. <laughs> but when was the sort of moment when you were like, right, hey, I actually want to do something 
different away from my course. I don't want to use this to go into a job. When, was there like a specific um, moment? I say the turning point was um, during that. I think the labs was the turning point. I was like, I can't do this. I don't want to do this. Um, so that was my first indication. And then I got a job working at Manchester Airport in duty free. So that's where. Um, so I start work at five o'clock in the morning, finish <laughs> at five o'clock, but not just that. So airport parking, because I wasn't, I wasn't consistently there because I was at uni. Um, I didn't pay for the parking because it was more than what I would be earning some of the months because I right. wasn't working the whole month oh, and they automatically right. just take off your wages. Oh, so I was getting up at three o'clock in the morning to walk to the airport because there's no parking anywhere with the airport for like security reasons. How long reasons. did that take you? 40 minutes. <laughs> okay. So that was like every Fair morning enough. before yeah. that shift, then stood on my feet all day. And I think Jean-Paul Gaultier, the perfume, yeah. tipped me off the edge because um, I was dressed in a sailor costume for 12 hours in the same spot. And then you'd have people walk, walk past like, I only wear Chanel, get it away from me, get it away from me. Whilst in sailor costume. Oh, well. and the best part of it is if you, if you see any of their adverts, they have like this opera noise yeah, 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 on yeah. a TV behind me for 12 hours. No. If, every time I see that advert, I throw something on the TV, honestly. That, I used to watch that advert all the time. It was on, um, it was like halfway through one of my favourite shows. But the sailor costume, I'm loving that. <laughs> I'm big fan of that. What do the bottles of aftershave look like? Like bodies. Yeah, 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 yeah. Was, I tried them. A, a few them years, in the but shop. that was like the thing. Jean Paul Gaultier. Yeah, I tried them in the shop. I made yeah, well, it maybe, <laughs> maybe a family in a sailing costume. Oh, no, it was, it was horrible. Absolutely horrible. But that but was just... character building, that's what they said. Yeah, yeah, do you know what? But I was living in a different time zone to everyone else, yeah, and yeah. I thought, right. It was actually paying a lot better than most kind of student jobs. Yeah. I thought, I just can't, I can't do something I hate for the rest of my life. Yeah. And I, I looked at back at my university experience, I was like, getting myself to labs is a struggle. And yeah. that's pretty much the one compulsory attendance thing I have. Yeah. And I'm not managing to consistently do that and actually enjoy anything I'm doing. So I kind of looked at what, what can I do? What will I enjoy doing? Um... And I don't, I've been big into fitness because of my because of my mum. And then before, when I was in sick form, I was working as a receptionist at a gym. At a gym, yeah. So I was like, well, I'm just going to do my PT qualification. It's something I, I love. I love exercise. I love training. Um, and it's something I'm passionate about. So that's why I was working so much over summer to pay for this pay personal for training degree. Right, yeah. Um, so I did all the PT qualifications. Um, and also, because... It's quite. It's like thousands and thousands of pounds to do that. Is it? PT qualification. It's like three thousand pounds. So, oh, so then try and find that money that's, at uni. So, that's so well. I was paying that off for like a year. So I was working at the airport for a bit when I f- was still trying to get PT clients. So doing a bit of PTing and doing an academic internship at university. So I had like all that going on at once. <laughs> Didn't really. I mean, I did obviously I had the student experience, but after PTing for. Um, because I was PTing here because I thought, well, my plan is I can't set up a client base in Leeds and then finish university and move mm. back to Manchester and then yeah. not have a job. So um, I was travelling back and forwards from Leeds to Manchester like multiple times a week to PT. Um, and it just, I think just the travelling um, was part of that, but I just didn't have time to exercise myself. So I really fell out of love with my own kind of fitness thing. Um, and then I got to the October of my final year at university. I thought, I've not really, I've worked like three jobs the whole time I've been here I've not really had yeah. proper university experience so um I stopped PTing I thought whilst I've enjoyed doing it I really love my clients and training people and just getting to know people really it's a very social job very and it is great social, yeah. but um I just thought uh, this isn't going to be a long-term thing for me 
Can I can I just say I respect that so much, like that grind. Like I'm actually I'm so taken aback at how that is so impressive to balance all of that at such a young yeah, age. Yeah, it was it, it was it was tough, and I think yeah. I think it was just the realization of when I finished university, these kind of I know I'm not going to use my degree, so these three years are kind of not wasted years, but my years to kind of get out everything I need to feel like I need to get the most out of whilst I'm young yeah. and I thought it got doctor to open I've not done this I've, yeah. the longest I've ever stayed at university for is two weeks not coming home really so I just okay. and well, honestly I, I love those months it's close as well how, yeah, yeah, how long, yeah how long did it take to get back an hour well start of first year when I was fairly new to driving that now yeah. I'm 15 by the end it was like 55 minutes you, you do yeah. Yeah. 120, 120 miles an hour yeah. yeah no but when you first start driving oh does it your first, your first like year when you're driving, I think that's the best, the best, and then I just hate. It. Yeah, I remember going for a whip round uh, as soon as I passed my test. If my car <laughs> ran nuts with it's about yeah. half five in the afternoon, yeah. it was rush hour traffic. Yeah, I, I, was, I was, I was, I was, <laughs> yeah. But no, when you, I think when you're closer to home, you have the tendency to just nip back at the weekend. Yeah. I know um, one of our dear friends is at Leeds now. Uh, she does that as well. Because you would, yeah. you know, yeah. it's well, the home you, comfort. Yeah, if you, if you have the opportunity to, I, I do recommend it. Obviously, not everyone can. What, go home? Yeah, because obviously, yes. like, distance-wise, because yeah. you well, up Ed, in Edinburgh, Edinburgh is, uh, it'd be, yeah. yeah. You can't just nip home, unfortunately. But you are completely correct yeah. if you have the opportunity. Mm. Just, just to, like, refresh, become a human being again. You know, away from that yeah. sort of uni lifestyle of just, mm-hmm. I don't know, it's hard to keep a routine sometimes, isn't it? So home can just reset. That's yeah. why I see it as reset. And then you go back. But yeah, I mean, it sounds like, I mean, I respect that so much. I mean, like just the amount you were balancing at a young age is... Uh, yeah, it was, it was very, impressive. very full on. Like, yeah. But um, I don't know, I wouldn't change it. I think my work ethic was probably a lot stronger then. Yeah. But I think I probably did need some more, more time to unwind after all that than what I gave myself. I think when I first finished university, I was like, right, I'm going to throw myself straight into my business. Because yeah. while, while I, whilst I'd been peating and doing everything else, I'd already kind of put into the process of thinking about what, what do I actually want to do, right? If I'm not personal training and I'm not doing anything with biochemistry, what is my plan? And that's when I started to plan my company. So yeah. like a sustainable clothing company. So that had all been in the works for a, for about a year before I finished university because I originally wanted to launch it whilst I was at uni I was like come on em. You, you can't you don't have time for anything else yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you, I mean with something like starting your own business or even dude, even my degree at the end of it I had to give it 100% if I wanted to make it work and especially starting out as a uh, a young business owner yeah. I'm going to have to give that 150% I can't oh, do that God, when I'm concentrating yeah. in uni yeah. so I think when I finished I was like right give yourself a week go on holiday come back and start the graft but yeah, yeah, yeah. If, you, if you're not ready to get in something you need to give yourself the rest you, your mind deserves otherwise yeah, you're not going to be able to function you're completely properly. correct I think <laughs> society sometimes uh, sort of tells you the opposite it tells you right, you've got to grind you've got to grind straight away and I think the fact that you're doing that is an incredibly mature decision mm. decision that we'd recommend people do mm. when we like you know if you want to pursue something properly make sure that you're yeah. you're going to give it your all not 60% yeah um, which is what a lot of people will do. Yeah, I think it's important. It's uh, because obviously you work hard throughout school, don't you? Mm-hmm. Obviously the schools we went to as well, quite intense. And I think yeah. it is important just to take a bit of time out. And obviously uni for you is quite, quite not full on, but yeah, like you said, you had your PT stuff. Sounds pretty full on compared <laughs> to what yeah, we no, have to it's do. It's good that you've actually taken a bit of time out and you have more time to think about it, to be honest as well, don't you? 
and really yeah. like plan out what you want to do rather than just rush into something and then mm. then it not working perhaps because you've rushed into it completely i think you've said that really well yeah yeah completely right oh yeah definitely i, I mean also times change like markets change i had to my whole business plan yeah. had to be completely scrapped and redone but yeah. it was good because it gave me like a fresh start yeah so um but altogether i'd say to anyone thinking about going to university in, in sort of the course it sounds ridiculous because I didn't take this advice when I was given it. Um, so when I was about to go into A-levels, I loved German at school. I was yeah. quite good at it. Yeah. Same with art. And, and I remember my German teacher saying, I know, you're con- I know you like it and I know you're considering doing it. And then what is your reasons for not wanting to do it? And it was that I didn't think I'd get an A-star in it. So that was... <laughs> so I was like, I can't yeah. do it. That, that, is, that is what a lot of people think. Yeah. But uh, she said, you can't just do something because you you don't think you're going to get the grades in it, but at the time it wasn't the most important thing to me. I think the sweet spot is between enjoyment and your grade as well. Yeah. It's like, you know, with, with, with like a Venn diagram and a mm. sort of overlapping and you want that sweet spot where, you, where you're good at it, but you also enjoy it because at uni, yeah. this is what you find out. Like, mm. if you enjoy something, you will do better yeah, in it at but, uni when it's yeah. full on just that. That's exactly what I found. Obviously, the, the units in geography were okay. Obviously, you choose which units you do, so that was a, that was a bit of a bit of a plus but um obviously human and i'd say about 50 to 60 percent of the units i did i didn't actually enjoy really you struck like ph- philosophical geography what? i still don't really understand <laughs> what that is exactly like i don't what know is rock? No, no, what no, is no, no, no 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 it's not like that but uh then obviously it came to the dissertation obviously you choose exactly what you want to do we we had the choice i know economics didn't actually have the choice you have to choose you have to do field work they, they, they get given do... a set they get given a question you get data do. oh really yeah, yeah. It's, uh, obviously but with geography that, that was the plus and obviously I did better in my dissertation because I actually enjoyed it yeah. that to me was actually like encapsulated the whole yes. you do better yes. at what you Especially enjoy yeah but with so with obviously sustainability and, and as you mentioned uh, the company that you are hoping to yeah. well that you will sort of start in the next year or so did that love for that field and that passion for that field start in university or has it started more, do you think it's developed as you've left university um i think my kind of environmental my passion for the environment and things like that is definitely it, it's growing like all the time i get yeah. more and more extreme yeah, with yeah, yeah. with the things i want to do or the, um, my attitudes kind of towards it but i think it was more of a it came more of a result of the person i became when i was at university um i think there are different reasons people go to university, genuinely passionate about the degree, want or they want a career to do with their degree. But I think the lessons I learned and just the person I became through university and also the people I met was worth all the yeah. debt that I'm in now. Yeah, and yeah. it wasn't like wasted years or anything. I think I went through the hardest things that I've ever been through in my life whilst at university. And I think before that, I'd my parents have given me such a wonderful life that I'd never really, nothing bad had ever really happened to me. So that's probably why I wasn't that empathetic and caring because it's hard to if you've never truly experienced anything horrible happen to you, you can't oh, yeah. you, you can't appreciate what's going on in other people's lives because it doesn't occur to you to think about that. Trust me, we we know <laughs> we know that one, don't we? And I think yeah, we empathise yeah. with your views on <laughs> empathy because it's very true. You know, there's one. I, this is a big thing. Like sympathy and empathy are so different. Mm. Uh, putting yourself in that person's shoes is empathy, and like feeling bad for someone is obviously sympathy and like saying yeah. hey, it's all right but I, I think it's very hard to learn empathy unless something 
bad happens. You, yeah. You're completely right. And at uni, a lot of people struggle mm, don't they, do, at some point with, yeah. with various mm-hmm. things. I do rate what you said, actually, because for me, it's, it's like we discussed this on another podcast, didn't we, about what we've actually learned from uni. It might not actually be historical facts and geog- no, geographical facts, but not. it's about the skills you pick up yeah. and you people. learn a lot about yourself, don't you? Living on your own, for example, totally. dealing with perhaps loneliness and how to go about that. I think that's the key thing. The person who goes into uni and the person who come out are completely oh, different Yeah, because you're used to being at school 24-7 yes. and looked after and yes. you do encounter problems, yeah. but it's just dealing with them and yeah. learning about it. I think that's, yeah, I think that's that really key. Well. No, it's that, a process. It's a process. Mm. And I suppose one thing also, I mean, I'm going to ask sort of everyone who comes on, but like, did you find it hard in first year? Because I think this is the thing that people Oh, it's horrible. Yeah. It was horrible. I mean, I had a lot going on at home. So my parents had just, were going through a really rough time, their yeah. marriage. Okay. Um, and as the oldest child, I kind of took that pressure onto me. Yeah. Um, I just, I just, I just don't think first, the first year you speak to anyone is, is tough for yeah, pretty much yes. everyone. Yeah, yeah, everyone yeah. you speak to is like, first year was horrendous. But you never, you never hear about that. So you kind of like, am I the only uh, one that's feeling this lonely? That's, that's, that's the thing exactly that, we, that we covered. Like I said, um, I don't know which episode it was, but I, I did read somewhere that at university, 50% of people have uh, encountered some sort of loneliness. It was episode 23. Yeah, yeah that's half, enjoy. half of people. I th- yeah, yeah. Sorry, go on. No, 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 no please. Go on. No. Please. No, I, was, I was just saying thank you for being, you know, honest because I think this is uh, we want to have this. Well, the reason for this podcast, I guess, is that, that everyone has had that time, especially first year. First year was horrible. I look back. <laughs> yeah. I used to go like, yeah, I, think, I love it. I just, I hated I it so much. You're under pressure to say you've had the yeah. best time of your life. Oh, Realistically, you, you, you're in a new city, trying to meet new people all the time. Yeah. It's a lot of effort. Unless you have a big group of people you know from yeah. home there, it can be difficult. I think if you know Completely. people there, it helps mm. a lot. Right. But I'm still, like, at the same time, but again, you learn about yeah. it and that's been one stage of your life that you can actually take on board and think, right, mm. I've got through that pretty much. Yeah, and like the empathy that you said you've uh, you sort of garnered from yeah. that sort of turbulent time, if you will. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think <coughs> um, overall, I think I was just given perspective. That's, a, that's beautifully put. Yeah, I think when... I think when you find find yourself in like a desperate point in your life, I think once you come out of that, it's you you just it's you're a different person because of it, and also yeah. you see the world differently. I think just an appreciation for everything was definitely a changing yeah. factor. And I think that's why I care so much about. I don't know. You you see things differently. Like when I look at a sunset now, it sounds cringy as fuck, yeah. but. I don't know, just taking the moment to stop and appreciate that yeah. and just the world, the beauty of the world around us. But then back to the empathy of, you see all these bad things that are happening in the environment, like the environment, like the natural, increase the nat- nat- natural disasters. Natural, yeah. And you just, you, it doesn't sit right with you. Yeah. You can't, you're actually thinking like, oh my God, these people are going yeah. through that. They're losing their family. Yeah. Their lives are being torn apart. You just can't sit yeah. back and just see it as a statistic anymore. Of course, I yeah. think that's so uh, yeah, beautiful, that's, but yeah. genuinely perspective, caring, you know, and applying that to, to to the world, you know, something that obviously me and Ross probably want to do more, that's why we, you know, we love learning from you, and, and this is what we're going to do in the second half, is go into a little bit more about what we can all do, and I hope that everyone, you know, well, I know everyone will be listening to that, like, wow, you know, yeah, that, was, uh, yeah, that was perfectly poor. So candid, and I yeah. think it's actually a beautiful place to, yeah, yeah, I was to break yeah. up this conversation. <laughs> wow. And bring in our world famous pointless, pointless fact of the day. day.
I always want to join in, but I can't remember which one is back to the week or not. Let's do it again. Let's do it again. We'll bring him with the guests. Let's pull this back to the day. Three, two, one. Pointless fact of the day. Everyone's got to be involved. You see, the guests love it. Love it. That was was really nice. All the different octaves as well. Yeah. Uh, Who would like to go first? Not me. <laughs> okay, well, I'm going to go first. It's not interactive. Oh, thank so goodness. So no I'm going from last time. <laughs> so it's short and sweet. So I think you've got over that now, haven't you? No, oh, no, no, no. I've already got oh, planned. Oh, no. Um, short and sweet. So Australia and Taiwan have roughly the same population of about 24 million. Mm. However, Australia is 200 times bigger than Taiwan. Wow. Mm, that is Australia's a big country. Well, the, the whole of the outback, like the whole of the middle, yeah. like just no one lives there. It's crazy. Because you've got Perth on one side, and that's like sort of one of the only major cities, and everyone just lives down here. <laughs> it's like 24 million, I think, is or like 25 million is the population of Australia. That is crazy. So there you go. Short and sweet. No Fantastic. need to. I was going to say, <laughs> how many times bigger is Australia than Taiwan? How many times? 200. <laughs> yeah, 200. Is that the big. one? Right, okay. So there we go. Short and sweet. Who's going next? I'll go next. Yes. Um, so I'm not actually sure how legit this fact is, but I think it is. I <laughs> Always think it a is. Good start. Yeah. Um, so apparently, vending machines kill four times more people per year than sharks. Four times. Yeah. I can believe that. I can believe yeah, that. Yeah, I think a lot of the facts to do with sharks, like you were saying earlier, the, the amount of people that actually get killed by sharks is very, it's very small. But then there's sensationalism in the news. So, like, if someone dies, it's like, oh my God. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. And 100%. there was one horrific one, though. I remember in the Seychelles, this was a oh, few years ago. The girl that back. got. Oh. Horrific. Wait, what like completely like. Yeah, her mum was, her mum was like on the boat. She, she just okay? got three, no, yeah. three no, sharks, no. like. Went after her oh, mum jumped in, but they'd already yeah, it was devastating. Yeah, it's yeah. So it does happen. But yeah, so it's like, but that's that's like out of it's six point six billion yeah. people, one. It's, it's horrific. Obviously, I'm not detracting from that, but it is crazy how, you know, like when we're driving, we never get scared, really, do we? Yeah, we were talking about this um, last week, weren't we? I don't know. It's just it all, other people. You, you basically, when you're on the road, for example. Yeah. It depends on other people, doesn't it? So might, you might yeah. be driving perfectly, but if someone comes into the back of you or to the side of you, then, mm. you know, you can't do anything about it. Anyway, so... okay, Your my point is fact, My right. point is fact. <laughs> got a little bit of a selection going on here, but I'm going to go for one that you may have heard earlier when I spoke to you, uh, is that the average person spends six months of their lifetime waiting for a red light to turn green. How I'm long? Six months of their lifetime waiting for a red light to turn green. That actually infuriates me so We had that, um, Johnny that. said, would you rather, wait, what was it? It was, would you rather uh, constantly get stuck at a red light, wasn't it? Or have slow Wi-Fi for the rest of your life? See, I'm reading this book at the moment that's basically um, um, telling you about loads of different things, about saying... But one a factor of that is about anger suits your goal to be angry, okay. and then I think about things like traffic, and now oh. <laughs> it makes me so angry, and I just so, sit there thinking, uh, I'm just oof. trying to make myself angry here. I need to stop this. Calm down. There's nothing Life's worse. Too short. Yeah. No, but there is literally nothing worse. You know when you have that that day when you're driving in every light. Just oh yeah, infuriating. The worst thing I experienced the day actually, I think a lot of people will be able to vouch uh, vouch for this. Is I was following a car. I stick to the speed limits. Okay, it's after my speed awareness course. <laughs> Uh, and I was following this car, it was National Speed Limit Country Road, and he's doing about, he's doing 30, okay, which is absolutely fine. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but it very, uh, it stressed me out a lot because obviously I like to go 50, 50, 60. Mm. 
I was about for four miles, he's going 30, <laughs> 30, 35. Oh, he's speeding up. No, he's not. He's coming back down. <laughs> we get to the 30, okay? He speeds up to 50. He just razzes off. I was like, Whoa, what's going on there? That's one of my pet peeves. Pet peeves. I hate that. Really? Yeah. I'll bear it in mind. I'll bear it well, in mind I, if I'm I ever hope... in front of you. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I don't think I've ever been behind you. That's not true. You, you break the speed limit. No, I'm, I've never had an issue with No, I'm joking. Either. Obviously, I'm joking. Fantastic driver. Also, something I le- uh, learned to my speed awareness course is that, so let's say you drive 10 miles to get to work, for example, yeah. and you're running a bit late. If you drive... Uh, let's say you break the speed limit you drive 85 miles an hour down the motor rather than 70 realistically all you're going to save is about a minute in time so you know I need to speed to get there there's no point because you're only going to arrive a minute earlier is that going to make a big difference it's it's not that I think it's the pressure from other drivers you know if you're sticking to the speed limit and you've got like a pretty aggressive driver behind you like probably me (laughs) could be you just pull over let them pass that's what you need to do but sometimes that is just not feasible is it yeah. Just find a safe, safe place, pull up, indicate, check your mirrors. A34 bypass, it's not, it's not going to happen. It's a hard shoulder. Yeah, maybe so. But <laughs> anyway, <laughs> we are digressing once again. And that concludes all three of us, Pointless fact of the day. That was nice. Nothing to do with what we're going to talk about in the second half. So it's nice to break it up with the pointless fact section. So obviously we learned a bit about how you got into certain, like, this field and, and your time at uni obviously thank you for being candid about that so now we want to talk well well follow on from what we what we were talking about on the last podcast we did mm-hmm. which is more to do with what we can all do in our lives to make it a bit more sustainable make, make the world a better place i think that's a good uh, a good generic quote for everyone but i just wanted to start off this section actually because yesterday or, or the day before was actually the end of the un climate talks uh, that happened in Madrid in Spain, which is why I did that silly little Spanish <laughs> accent. Um, but basically, they had a clock as the logo with the tagline "Time for Action." You know, this is this is what it's all about with Greta Thunberg as well. Like, it's time for action. This is it. Two weeks long. These climate talks, and it was very hopeful. COP twenty five. That's the name. Very hopeful that something would happen and there'd be some big decisions. So there were two sort of main goals. So it's questions over ambition. So this is like individual governments upping the ante on their climate change policies, so making them faster, making them better, making them a priority. And this is obviously just to reduce greenhouse gas emissions. And then there's also rules from the Paris Agreement. So this was the idea of uh, global carbon markets. So this is like the big discussion point. And this is, um, it's kind of weird. It's like trading the right to pollute. So you can trade sort of carbon pollution. In credits almost. Yeah, Sneaky. yeah, yeah. It's, it's, uh, oh, it's something to research. I can have Yeah, it's something to research. Okay. So you can pollute there, not pollute on your own land. Jeez. It, I don't know. It's, look at it. The Paris Agreement, it's an interesting thing, but they were very hopeful. They were very disappointing results. Basically, there was everything was pushed back to 2020. As always, it seems, in in, in politics, nothing's ever done. So, yeah, we'll talk about it next year. Got so, a lot to do in 2020. Yeah, <laughs> huge year is 2020. But basically, it was pretty poor commitments, and that's quite sad, you know. There's been a lot of hope in regards to making governments change, and it doesn't seem like they're quite on board just yet. But a question that I wanted to pose to both of you, just to, to start, I know we're not going to talk about climate change too much, but I thought it was topical. So... There's a key, the key issue that I think is, you know, these traditionally strong countries from an economic standpoint, you know, these industrial nations, so the US, the UK, blah, 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 
um, you know, they're, they're the ones that cause all these issues, aren't they? So these sort of countries that want to develop now, so countries in Africa, for example, who are starting to develop a lot more, they're now being somewhat held back by these restrictions that are being put in. And, I mean, I don't want to say it's not fair, but surely the issue lies with the bigger mission countries. So, you know, should we be enforcing these rules on countries that want to develop when it's actually our countries that have caused this mess. Yeah. There's How like is that? China, obviously China's probably one of the biggest yes. polluters. Um, but like, should they be imp- like imposing these restrictions and the US on these other countries that are just catching up? Yeah, but the question is, can, can they? Like, is it feasible? Well, it has to be all United, uh, United, <laughs> United Nations um they all have to agree, 193 countries all have to agree, so it would apply to all of the countries that are a part of the UN. Mm. So, like, these restrictions that are put in would be on every country. But how is that? Yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a really tricky one. Yeah. Because it's easy for us to say, oh, yeah, you just you just do it all green yeah, and yeah. Uh, we'll just get on with what we're doing. <laughs> yeah. But the thing is, if you think about it in terms of when the Industrial Revolution was massive in... Like Western, yeah, yeah, Western world or like England in particular. In yeah. particular, we've yeah. all been down to style mill from oh, school trips. Yeah, Ancoats, Manchester. Yeah, um, and their priority at the time, like they talked about the working conditions, was just pretty much just making money. And for those people to go and do it, they were on, they would that was them just paying for their family. Yeah, yeah. And it's the exact same can can well not like conditions, but exact same situation these people in these developing com- countries their main priority is not the environment it's no, no, no. funding their family yes and you can't you can't judge someone for that no, yeah. exactly. that would be anyone's first but priority we, we've yeah. done that haven't yeah. we but 120 years ago realistically this, this is the issue yeah. here is like do we need to work with these countries we need to put in more of an effort as the countries that are sort of industrialized first yeah. to, to help create a greener future whilst allowing these countries to grow yeah, I think definitely I mean, the argument is definitely there that when we were having our industrial revolution, the technology for kind of green, sustained um, carbon-free energy was wasn't there. Yeah. Whereas now it is. But can these countries afford to do it that way? When this is a big question. Yeah. That's why so, I, I didn't want to. I yeah. know I posed it on you both. No, but I completely. It's a moral question. Yeah, yeah it's like, moral question. like I said last time in India, the smog, for example. Yes. Yeah. In Delhi, it's thirty times worse than the than the average. Yeah. That's, that's a horrific that's amount, but how, how do you go about... I don't know, it just comes from What's the top, doesn't it? Of care? Yeah, well, this is the other thing. Like, uh, will, there, yeah. will there ever be agreement? Ever? At this rate, there won't be time to be no. in agreement. And that is very true, yeah. I mean, with what is it? The commitment for the EU is 2050, but it needs to be 2030, yeah. This is Before the stuff or shit actually starts to... Hit the fan. Hit the fan, yeah. yeah to put it lightly, yeah. Before, Literally. Uh, but I, I, anyway, I thought That's that was just something to, yeah. to, yeah. to, to kick Definitely. off because it's topical. It happened you know, for the past two weeks. And, you know, something that, I'd, you know, people need to look into research a bit more. The Paris Agreement and uh, look into this uh, COP25 uh, yeah. meeting that happened between but the someone, yeah. someone needs to take, uh, is the, what's the right word, onus? Is that a word? What, is in the lead? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because... Yeah. Everyone's just going to wait until someone else does it. And well, it's got to come from the big countries. Like China, exactly. The US, the US aren't even in the Paris Accords. You know that. Yeah, the I only know. country. Well, actually, so Trump tried to pull them out, didn't he? But yes. it's like a year-long process or something, Is and obviously okay? he's about to, well, either be impeached oh, yeah, or being yeah. <laughs> not getting off. I think he's going to win. 
again. You probably yeah, yeah, will. Yeah. Quite easily, I think, because uh, they've just got a way of tapping into that demographic. It's quite yeah, sad. I saw an advert yeah. for it, actually, last night. Does that mean... What, on Facebook? No, on BBC, obviously, they're talking about Trump in there. It's just the, the, the advert was... It was like... Uh, Say what is it? Save Trump or something? Trump is great. Like yeah, yeah. just, it was so forced and. No, but this is, I think it will. It's just, I just go. Oh, it's oh, like Boris. Boris, yeah. But look, I wanted that to sort of kick off this uh, chat about sustainability, and today we're actually going to focus on the Christmas side of it. So it's coming up to Christmas. It's mm-hmm. as mentioned at the start, it's a time of great excess, and yes. it's like, what can we do? That's quite a small change to make our Christmases more eco-friendly. Okay, so it'd be quite interesting to talk about food first. Definitely. Because obviously we could talk about maybe food and then actual, like, presents and stuff. Can I hit you up with a guess quickly? Right. In the US, how much food as a percentage is thrown out each year? Uh, Sorry, say that again. In the US, the United States, how much food as a percentage... Is thrown out each year. Forty percent. Yeah. yeah, I was going to say forty percent. Did you both? Did you both know that? Is that? Is I just that, know a lot of things. Is that common knowledge? Just know Americans. Okay, yeah. So, so forty percent. Which, when I read that, I said, that's that's alarming. You know, you'd think yeah. it would be closer to twenty percent, which is still a lot, but forty percent. And I mean, I, I suppose at Christmas time that will grow even more. Yeah, probably be Christmas. Do, uh, this is this is through the UK. So this is Unilever. They said that the UK throws away over 4 million tonnes of edible food during Christmas, mm. which is about 30% of our total annual, annual volume. Really? So, yeah, it just intensifies, doesn't it? So, how many mince pies are thrown away? In the UK? At Christmas. Oh, I'll go off of you. You can guess first, I'll guess. Do you like a mince pie? I See, no, I no, them. I don't like them. See, I like, Never my sister makes a really good mince pie. I don't like the... Uh, the supermarket mince pies. I, I can't say I've ever really tried them. Okay, guess how many are thrown away Ooh, each year? A few, few million. 7.5 million. That's... Guess how many pigs and blankets oh, are gone? I, no, we, we, we so I, I thought I ate most of them, to be fair. Uh, t- uh, 20 million. Okay, I think you've overstepped the market. <laughs> <laughs> 5 million. Again, 7.1 7. million pigs oh. and blankets, which, which is, is enough to match the weight of a... A thousand kilogram blue whale, if you can picture that at all. A blue whale made out of pigs and blankets. Yeah, but I mean, it is, it's a madness. Like, I think the way to go about trying to obviously ease this up and actually help is actually plan what you're going to eat. So my mum last night said that she wastes a lot of food because it, it, go, yeah. it goes over its date. We don't yeah. eat it quick enough. So you buy all this food and yeah. then it gets to... 24th of December or whatever and you end up throwing it away so I think just planning in general and really kind of obviously you need to buy a lot because the shops get busy don't they I yeah. think you stock up basically and then another thing is to freeze food yes I don't think a lot of people freeze enough food just eat the food over like three days you know from your Christmas yeah, dinner or whatever yeah just leftovers there's, there's loads of creative ways you well, can go about to could Again, you give leftover food to food banks? Food banks. That, um, I, think, I, mean, well, I mean, you can. It's just, can you find a local one? Is that, you know, well, if it's in Manchester, that for some people that might be... Some recycling centres do have, like, well, it's like canned food, but yeah. I suppose yeah. if you want to drop... Well, some, I mean, we did that with Finnish mm, University, all the stuff you had in your cupboard, like yeah, yeah. beans, it just, well, beans always got eaten, but something <laughs> else in a can yeah, yeah, that yeah, ended yeah. up in there. That's the thing have to do. Have you seen you can that's get a Christmas dinner in a can? Really? Oh, that's fine. Have you seen that? No, no, no. Um, I don't think I want to because it sounds atrocious. I think supermarkets are getting getting more involved as well. 
Uh, so I was reading last night that apparently Audi, they're stepping their game up quite a lot. They're um, basically giving all the leftover or on the sell by date food over Christmas or like after Christmas Eve to charities and I think there's now 500 charities involved in the uh, really the program good. so that, that's that's a good idea to do that's fantastic um, in terms of packaging though you know that's well, I, that's I, a big I just wanted to say packaging. before we just got onto the packaging mm. just quickly because it was a thing that I just read before we came on air so in the Guardian this is just to do with food very, like, very quickly it scared me a little bit to be honest so basically there are these two giant they're called Fatbergs like a you know an iceberg of fat. Well, Ross is just showing me the dinner in a can. That is absolutely. It's called beautiful. Christmas dinner. So it's got. <laughs> oh, that's so bleak. You can now buy a three-course Christmas worse. dinner in a tin. That is <laughs> that horrendous. Is that is awful. Go and look that up. Christmas dinner. There you go. But right, so these two giant fatbergs were removed from the sewers in central London, and one weighed sixty-three tons. Sixty-three tons. So it's been so there's like this play basically for customers to to not pour fat down the drains, oils and fat, which is a probably yeah. a nat- I think a lot of people um, do that unfortunately. Mm. So just think this Christmas, one thing if you take anything away, yeah. don't pour down fat and oil down the sink at Christmas because these giant colossal fat bags are just popping under the ground yeah well my mum's always told me not to pour fat that she keeps them in like uh, empty coffee jars yeah yeah that's that's exactly it I don't know what she does with it after chuck it in the bin I think (laughs) (laughs) it's probably ten times worse but I think that's just uh, sorry it was just an alarming thing that I read but yeah the other thing you mentioned packaging packaging is is a problem isn't it yes I mean, do you, in your household, have you thought about how you can make it a bit sort of more eco-friendly with the packaging side of it? Or Yeah, well... Um, just don't, food, rot, yeah. don't rot presents. <laughs> just <laughs> give well, it uh, Yeah, I've been using that as an excuse recently. I'm like, we're doing eco-friendly presents. I can't think. What, what are the other ideas other than just wrapping up? Like, what, what else can, can you do than just use wrapping paper? Um, well, I think... So with wrapping paper, the, basically the problem with it is that it's it's got like a plastic lining on it and it has to be separated manually, so it just can't be recycled. Um, and also, if you're buying really cheap, obviously the dyes in it. Yeah. Is a, can, well, dyes is a big problem of how we're messing up the environment. But um, yeah, recycled brown paper is a good way to go. And then you can get these really cute wooden stamps and like kind of make your own. And I've been seeing a really, really pretty, pretty designs like yeah. on, online where people have like wrapped it with string and put... I don't know, Christmassy looking plant. Yeah, <laughs> it, yeah, yeah. it looks really, it looks really, really nice. Yeah. But um, I don't know. Some people are always like renowned. Like my, one of my aunties, everything every Christmas, beautiful packaging. Like you've got a bow, you've got ribbons, the sparkles, yeah. amazing. So if she's gonna, if she's the sort of person that if she's gonna put that much effort in anyway, yeah, to make it all look pretty, she would do that with more eco friendly alternatives. So I yeah, think yeah, if you're yeah. the sort of person that's gonna do the effort anyway why not make the effort to make a eco-friendly one that's a great point I think that's a really great point definitely and wrapping just goes in the bin this is the thing you see it for roughly five seconds you don't even care what's on the outside you care what's on the inside don't you yeah but you don't want to take away that you know when you're a kid and you're like so what what we tend to do is we use bags so Christmas bags that we've used for the last 10 years so we'll keep yeah. we always make the same joke we see the same bags every year so I'll be like oh, I've not seen this before <laughs> but we use the same ones and wrapping paper we try not to use wrapping paper yeah. we just literally put it in the bag 
maybe a bit of tissue paper over the top so you still get that surprise of you know, feeling you don't know what's inside then you open yeah. it so that, that saves it and also uh, something that's quite interesting is that um, the department of uh, the environmental food and rural affairs estimated last year's wasted paper would be enough to wrap up Guernsey <laughs> that is ridiculous um, <laughs> but also another little thing you could do is to try the scrunch test so anything that does not hold its shape when scrunched into a ball is not recyclable yeah. so just bear that in mind yeah that is a good point um but yeah i think i think i think it's a thing that we could all cut down um and on the on the point of uh how how durable things are etc um and about the plastic side of it yeah it's christmas trees yeah so do you think getting a real or artificial tree is more environmentally friendly well it depends if you're getting say you get an artificial like one of the massive yeah. plastic ones and have it for two years and throw it away obviously you've got the plastic waste and yeah. the energy cost of making that um but apparently you have to have it for 10 years before having an artificial ten tree is actually years. better for the environment yeah wow. um but there are different things with real trees now. Like, you can rent them in a pot and they just go back to be planted. So it's not the... Because yeah. um, obviously you worry, like, when you if you do get a real tree, what happens to it? Is it going to be yeah. chopped up for wood? Is yeah. it just going to be... Or is it going to go back to the yeah. field? So like, I don't know. This is an interesting... <laughs> this is an interesting bit of information. So a two-metre artificial <laughs> tree has roughly a carbon footprint equivalent to about 40 kilograms of greenhouse emissions, OK? So that's the artificial tree which is more than twice that of a real tree that ends its life in landfill mm. and more than 10 times that of a real tree that is burned. Really? So oh. you'll be better off burning the tree, obviously I'm not saying do that, than to buy an artificial tree, unless you keep it for 10 years and then yeah. it balances out. So. These, are, these are just important things to think about. Like obviously we don't, don't think want to take about away it. decorations and stuff. Yeah. funny video I did see, actually, I don't know whether you've seen it, is that um, the girl was obviously videoing her mum getting the tree out and they'd essentially just wrapped it up from the previous year and all she does is just take the cellophane off and it just opens up and it's already decorated from last year. <laughs> <laughs> it's all got stuff on. It's quite cool. funny. But you can buy them now pre-decorated and, yeah, like you said, send them back. And yeah, it's it quite interesting looking at the different initiatives there are. Weight trees, you can buy uh, edible trees. Edible. Yeah. What was it? Little rosemary. Um, rosemary trees, yeah, that you can use. Obviously, they're not six foot. They're little, <laughs> little table decorations that you can get. But there's so much you can do. Yeah, just, just one small yeah. thing. That's what we're trying to say from this. Like, just pick one small thing. Don't do it all. Don't be like, TNS is ruining my Christmas. <laughs> just choose one small thing that we can all do. I mean, what would you say is, 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 a, is the easiest thing that people can do this Christmas that's sort of more eco-friendly? Um... It's, I'd, mm. See, there's lots you can do at Christmas. I wouldn't necessarily focus on Christmas. If it's one thing, get a bamboo toothbrush. Get a bamboo <laughs> Col toothbrush. Colgate now sell them. Cause you really? Think that's what, an extra bit of plastic. And it's not like the sort of thing you have to think about. Every time you go shopping, it's yeah. just in your cupboard. Oh, yes. That's like the easiest that. what we can do. Ask for that for Christmas, everyone. Yeah, everyone wants a bamboo, bamboo toothbrush. I think that's a great suggestion. Yeah, but that, I mean, exactly like that. Even that's a, a little thing where you're... Little things add up. And we said this yeah. in the last podcast, didn't we? Like, if everyone did a little thing, then it would make a pretty big difference. Yeah. And I like that. I'm going to ask for one myself, actually, I but think. Uh, do you think there's um, a big uh, issue with the presents that people buy, uh, that people buy others? Yeah. 
So Definitely. on average, we get 17 presents mm. each individually. I don't. Think about how many... <laughs> I get one. Yeah, think of, when, when you were younger, oh, okay? Oh, my heart bleeds for you. When, <laughs> when you were younger, <laughs> think about how many presents you yeah. don't actually use. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's what Christmas is. It's and about excess. It's capitalism and it's very bad. 20% yes. of presents end up going to the tip the week after Christmas. That's so sad. Think about how many presents you haven't actually used and you don't mm. actually need and maybe buy experiences for someone instead. Well, that's like a very, cinema, very good point. Yeah. Tickets yes. or even gift cards to actually spend it on something you want. That, I think mm. that's a fantastic point. Experiences are a great one. Oxfam obviously started doing, uh, you can sponsor a goat, for example, can't you? Yeah, donkey, animals that's a big one. They did that a few years a ago. Oh, another good present is, um, so in Scotland, in like the national parks, they want to protect that from being built on. So you can actually buy up um, like a tiny patch of tiny tiny patch of land really and then so yeah my <clears throat> one of my friends her sister bought her this so she's technically a lady she's technically lady jamie because uh, um, yeah. you get the title you with the land Lord, can't you yeah. yeah that would be so good so that's a nice gift and it's protecting well, the environment we'll put the link the uh, in the description then for that and then everyone can become <laughs> a lord and lady and do their bit for the for the land at the same time that so would be what what have you guys asked for christmas Ah, uh, socks. I've got to the age now where <laughs> I just don't have any socks anymore. Pants, um, a hoodie, and that's it. Okay. Mine's actually very on theme. Um, I've asked for some lush packaging and free foundation. So, literally just comes as like a stick. Really? <laughs> very nice. Face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fantastic. There you okay. go. What about you? Um, just a couple of jumpers, bit of aftershave. Yeah, well, that's, that's it. Like I need saying, that Lynx Africa time. set now. That <laughs> no, was the like staple not, of no, my it's Christmas not a set. No, but I needed the, the deodorant. I am getting some deodorant though. That's a classic. Some e liquid. Um, ah, you a few stocking fillers. But, uh, but to be fair, I've got to that point now where I'm actually not too fussed. It's about the day, it's about food, it's about yeah. having a nice time and just kind of soaking it up, really. I think that, the build up, I think, is. Mm. more enjoyable than actually yeah I mean like it's always the, 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 the come down after as well which is a bit well, it's that new year period bleak. then you come to January yeah. and you're like Ugh. I've got no money well, it's my <laughs> birthday in early January and everyone's like shut up no <laughs> I'm done I'm done with uh, with going out and stuff but yeah. look I want to finish this chat with a happy note which is a, you know some, some cool initiatives that we've found around the world these sort of you know startups or whatever that are that are trying to do positive things with regards to becoming more eco-friendly, maybe packaging or whatever carbon, and we've all found one each uh, of like cool things that you know th- there is stuff being done. Whilst it might not seem like the governments are necessarily on board, there there are things being done. So we all have one. I went first for the pointless fact. So would someone else like to go first with their? Initiative they found. I will start. Please, Emily. Yeah. Um, so the thing I found is <laughs> called Carb Fix, and it's um, based in uh, based in Iceland. And what it is is they are turning carbon dioxide into rock. And obviously, rock is very permanent, so that carbon dioxide is now locked up, which is a great way of getting um, carbon dioxide out of the atmosphere. Fantastic initiative, yeah. I, I never even like I didn't even know that was a thing. Mm. Uh, yeah, that's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah, they've actually been doing it for, well, since 2012. Since 2012. You see, that's what you want in the news. You want something like that to be mainstream news. So you're like, whoa, yeah. that's cool. You look into it a lot more. Instead of, you know, having to hear it on a pod. It'd be great yeah. if the BBC did something on that. You know, that, that is, I, I think that's so cool, yeah. Uh, Ross, have you got one? Yeah, so I think a lot of people will know this, but obviously the uh, the ocean cleanup. Um, 
which is a non-profit organisation which basically develops advanced technologies to obviously reduce the world's oceans of plastic. Um, I think it's a great idea, it needs to be done. Uh, so they just come up with all the different technologies and developing, they develop basically like a fleet of systems. And the ocean cleanup has been estimated to be able to remove 50% of the Great Pacific garbage patch. Have you seen that? Every five years. It's like a country yes. from, uh, from space. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, like a... it's absolutely mad. And I, I was kind of made aware of this. I was reading a magazine called The Drum, which is like a marketing magazine. And they've obviously won loads of awards for their campaigns that they've run, uh, especially on their Instagram. So if you go on their Instagram, it's quite interesting. We'll, we'll just, link that in the description as yeah, well. Of course, yeah, of course. And they put loads of videos up, and I think that's hugely important. I mean, I, I'd be very interested in working there, to be honest. Yeah. yeah. Or doing something for it. It's uh, amazing. Very project. exciting, yeah. Oh, so absolutely incredible. That's Both my... Um, fantastic suggestions, yeah. My ting of the day. Ting of the day, yeah. So mine is... Uh, well, I was looking at startups, really, because startups take a lot more risk than companies, you know, because they can, they get funding to take risks. So there are a few, you know, that... That stood out so there's one called loop which we mentioned in the last podcast with you emily so i, I didn't choose that one there's one called uh Tipa, which is israel based uh has huge funding and they're both to do with packaging and, and biomaterials and basically re- removing packaging in a way but the one that i think really stood out to me is, is called notpla which is a london-based startup and basically they pioneered this edible film made of seaweed so you can package drinks and sauces in seaweed and then eat it afterwards, which I think is so cool. And then they've also done, go on. So, pretty much sushi. Yeah, but with drinks. So, <laughs> <laughs> a really horrible one. But uh, they also did this really cool thing at the London Marathon where they handed out, uh, like, water pouches. So, you just oh, chuck yeah. it in your mouth yeah, and yeah, yeah. that's it, rather than plastic bottles, single use. Yeah, and it's like in some weird bubble, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, and you pop you can, it and yeah. then you have all the water. I think that was so That'll cool. That would be a thing. That would be definitely a thing. Yeah, like you're walking, they have these like banks of like, um, water. Festivals just chucking them into the crowd. That just reminds me of what was the film? Bugs Life. Oh, I've seen yeah. Bugs Life, where yeah, they have yeah. those like bubbles of water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. making that up. No, 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 you're right. And they suck out of it, like obviously the ants. The ants, yeah, well, that's what they actually do, don't they? Yeah. I think. There you go, Bugs Life saving the day. Don't quote me on that. But yeah, so there are some great things happening, as you can see in in all elements here. People are starting to come together to try and combat the issues that we sort of raised. But at Christmas, you know, obviously we want everyone to have a lot of fun. It's just something to think about. If you can do one small thing this Christmas that is eco-friendly, get a, a bamboo toothbrush, whatever it is, but just try and do one thing. And if we all do one mm. small thing, it can all, you know, really add up to something quite yeah. great. And look, Emily, I just appreciate you coming back on again. You know, I think second really time. enjoyed myself again. Yeah, it was fantastic to hear, you know, a little bit more about you as well. I think that's something that we like to do on this podcast, don't we? We, we do, we do, yeah. We like just the nosy, just yeah. nosy. <laughs> just nosy, just writing it all down. Uh, no, but honestly, thank you for being so candid because uh, it's nice to know that other people... You know, especially with, with the stuff we said with first year, you know, everyone everyone struggles a bit yeah. at first year, don't they? And you don't realise what you want to do, maybe until you've left uni. Yeah. And that's another big thing. You don't have to, like, go into uni and take your degree and, and use your degree. Um, it's something that will, will happen maybe later on in life. So mm. these are all important things. So thank you for sort of raising those points. Obviously, it's respect fun. the grind so much. Yeah, and keep keep going. Yeah, and you've got an exciting exciting times ahead, haven't you? Yes, hopefully. Very nerve-wracking times, but yeah. you've just got to take that plunge. <laughs> yes, that is a great advice. I mean, nerve-wracking is what take you want. Take the plunge, yeah. You, the do what you, you don't want to regret anything. You don't want to yeah. 
not do anything that's my key so you don't know until you try yeah, I don't know until you try it's a classic but it works depending on the situation if you don't have the money to do said thing yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, just be careful because I'd yeah. be in that situation <laughs> so think before you do it but but if it's in your you remit, as well. it's in your power yeah. yeah so I respect and thank you so much for coming on I mean maybe it'd be a part three at some point in the future if something big you, maybe you after know, Christmas eco friendly yes but um, look we've got a few other things lined up this week uh, we've got a few more interviews haven't we with with people we don't we don't actually know the, the contents of said interviews just yet, but we've got we've got a few more lined up. We wanted to bring you some some Christmas joy at TNS. We've had two. You say really that with such enthusiasm. <laughs> ah, I hate Christmas. I'm Scrooge. I'm Scrooge. But hopefully That's the listeners some Christmas joy. enjoy it. But we'll be back in the next couple of days, guys. So until then, keep doing what you're doing. Ciao, ciao. See ya.